you're listening to another episode of Am I Overreacting with me, Annabelle Gernick, and she, Amber Itzo. Hello. Hello. You looked like you were about to say something, just I pressed record and then you, you changed your mind. <laughs> right. It's because you always say, right, I'm hitting record. And then there's a long pause between you hitting oh. record and it making the beep saying that it's actually recording. But I didn't say it. So I was just a little bit like, Ooh. oh, I see. I was like, oh my God, what? Waiting for me. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, I'm going to apologize um, right off the bat. Our next door neighbours have just got a puppy and mm. their other dog keeps on barking a lot. So oh. if you hear sporadic barking in the background, first of all, it's not Ferguson. Ferguson doesn't bark at the house, um, at home. And second of all, it's, you know, I'm sorry. It must be really nice to have a dog that doesn't bark. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He barks at other dogs. When he's oh, no. moving, he will bark at other dogs. But around the house, he doesn't really go for it. Honestly, our living room window is the front of the house. And so, like, there's only got to be a leaf blow past the house. And Bruce is like, like my front, my front living room window, you drive past my house and think that it's some kind of crack den because the front window is just covered in Bruce's, like, nose smudges. <laughs> Can you hear my table creaking? Is that? Uh, no. Oh, okay, fine. My table's, like, a bit, I think I've got a wobbly leg. It's a bit it's creaky. Really, really good sound effects going on. Mm. We've got Marco in, and it's the uh, it's the headboard. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, how's your week been? Um, yeah, it's been all right. What have I been up to? Um, God, what happened? You know what? This happens every week. I know. And, I do stuff and I'm like, that'll be interesting to talk about in the podcast. And I'm like, mm, I don't know what I've done. Um, you posted on Instagram. I posted on Instagram. Yep, broke that dry spell, and I'm now three, four days later, and I still haven't Into another. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been puppy-sitting. Love um, that. I did wonder whose dog it was. Oh, my God. She is the most adorable thing. She's just Diddy. And, obviously, next to Ferguson, she looks absolutely tiny. She's a miniature Dachshund. And, um, yeah, they're very, very cute together. So, Ferguson Horrible. Exhausted yesterday after about six hours of non-stop playing. Um, and, yeah, that might be the height of my excitement, I think. What have you been up oh, to? Not a great deal either. Mm. Not a great deal either. It's my first week not working, so that's nice. Um, you got a tattoo? I did, I got two. I got two, that's a good point, yeah. I went and got two done yesterday. Um, so that was fun. That was fun. Uh, I've kind of broken that streak of, I think I spoke when we had the old the old podcast, I'm pretty sure I mentioned the fact that, um, so this was tattoo number eight and nine, and uh, my my father is not aware of four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> I just I don't. <laughs> well, I say that, right? I say that. However, I, I post on Facebook him and his wife like my posts on Facebook. They have liked photos where my arm is very visible. Mm. I just, when I go around his, I just don't have, he hates them. He's He really, really, he's very traditional, really hates tattoos. Same with my grandma. And I've kind of built it up to a point in my head now where it's almost like too, I'm too far in to go back. Mm. Like It's not like there's only one and I can just go, oh, look, I had this done on my shoulder. Yeah, but you can just be like, look, I've just got one whole sleeve. That's fine. Maybe they just, just hear that door. Sorry. Was that no. very loud? Oh, okay, fine. Um, yeah. So, well, this is it because I thought like, like it, because it's gone past the point of just one little one on my arm. And now I've basically got, I mean, I've pretty much got a sleeve <laughs> that now it's going to be a bit more than a, a little, it's going to be I a shock. <laughs> I reckon they know. Like your dad. I do too. And so they probably just think, well, they're not going to bring it up. If they don't like it, they're not going to bring it no, up. No, but it's uncomfortable for me in the heat of summer to be going around my dad's and like now panicking about it. Because I've built, like I say, I've built it up in my head. He would probably go, for fuck's sake, like fucking state of it. And that'd be the end of it. Like he probably wouldn't say much more. But I mean, like I say, and, and like I say, I think, I know, I'm nearly 30, but I'm like, I think he knows. I really do think he knows. But I have, just, like I say, I've built it up so much in my head now. So yesterday when I went, I put something on Facebook, like I tagged in at this place, and my stepmom commented on it and went, "Oh, don't tell your dad." And I was like, "Oh, fuck. 
<laughs> so now the anxiety started again but bless it like I, I've not I just yeah I've just built it up in my head so much now that now it's become a thing when it's not even a thing mm. um which is really funny but it is amusing and every time I look at my arm and I think fucking hell if he ever does ask oh can I see that little tattoo you got on your arm uh <laughs> which one <laughs> <laughs> which one dear yeah so um yeah, but that's exciting. So I got two done yesterday, which I'm very happy with. Um, and yeah, that's it, really. I feel like that's all I've done. I can't really think about the weekend. I can't think what I did. Um, I've got a hen do this weekend, which is exciting. Yeah, it's like a local one. She did like a she did like one where she went abroad, um, and then she's doing one locally. Um, so it's the local one. But the theme is pink. So honestly, it stressed me out more than I can tell you for two reasons a because I don't know anyone and bless her heart she did say to me like if you want to bring a friend you are more than welcome to and oh. I was like at the time I was feeling really brave and I was like no 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 it's fine and now three days away I'm like why didn't I bring a friend like panicking about it but also pink's not really my color like I don't wear pink very often at all so trying to find a dress or trying to find an outfit that A, I feel comfortable in, but B is pink and C is like out, out. Like I don't go out, out. And when I do go out, I wear jeans. So I've honestly, I've ordered three things that are massively out of my comfort zone. So I'm going to try them all on tomorrow. Are you going to send me pictures? Yeah, I will do. I've told my friend I'll do like a full like video diary of me trying them on. I've got like this pink satin jumpsuit with a big like silver heart on the boobs like this just oh. great big <laughs> and then to a dress and then a, two dresses sorry and then a trouser and blazer duo um but I feel like for the trouser and blazer duo I'm also going to need to get a top and it's working out very expensive because I also had to buy some shoes so as you can tell I don't go out very often <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it so that'll be yeah, good. That good that sounds good um, um intrigued by what you're going to end up wearing me too at this rate it'll be my birthday suit spray painted pink so we'll see we'll see but i'm excited it'll be good it'll be good fun and it'll be good for me to be out my comfort zone so winner winner um anyway all new you it could be it could be new season new me although it's not a new season or a new me god i cannot wait for autumn me too me too. Um, anyway, should we move on to the question, what are the answers of the week? Yes. So this week we asked you, dum -ba -da -bum, we asked you about um, male fertility testing. Mm -hmm. So um, specifically, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, um, do you think that the man um, and the male factor was seen as important in terms of testing as um, the female side of it? Or did you have to fight for it? So did a little poll. 60% um, of people say no, they don't think it was taken seriously. 35% um, said yes, they do. And then 6% say they think it was a bit of a mix. Um, and we got lots and lots of feedback from that as well. Um, people sharing their experiences. Someone said that they were told that seeing a urologist would be overkill, um, despite getting zero embryos on their first round of IVF. Um, the specialist didn't think it was necessary. Um, someone else found that half of their husband's results were missing when their first clinic advised them to go ahead with the first two rounds of IVF. So they paid no attention to actually all the information that they had. Um, but then you had some people that say that they think it was fine, but po possibly because it was just straightforward. They both had the initial tests around the same time. Um, and his sperm sample was normal. So they did no further tests, but, you know, they were tested at the same time there. And yeah, so a bit of a mix. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I know I said to you just before we started recording, that I think quite often when it's the initial tests, then it is quite it is quite straightforward. But for me, I think that the issues arise kind of when you're then in the thick of IVF and when you're going through it or when you've had that, you know, unfortunate fail like failed cycle or you haven't got any embryos or anything like that I think there is a lot of reluctance to then look into the sperm like that's exactly what we had and you know and unfortunately I think some of the male testing like the DNA fragmentation as much as you know I sing about that and 
recommend everybody gets it at the earliest opportunity but it is an add-on and that's the thing that like the hfea don't i don't think it's it, well it's not rated green on their website it's classed as an add-on and that's the difficulty that when these when the male testing falls under this and falls under add-ons it means that consultants are very split and very divided it very much depends on your clinic as to whether or not they think it's worth doing um yeah. which is and a shame I, yeah for i know definitely in our case it felt all of my tests were essential and matt's tests were a bonus yeah for sure it was for kind sure. of like oh yeah okay right we've done his sperm analysis um if you want to do more testing then that's kind of on you now like mm. it's very much up to you but we're not yeah it's crazy isn't it like even just seeing a urologist i think would make a difference like not even necessarily getting the test done that the hfea don't necessarily love um or that there isn't all the evidence towards but a urologist like they're not saying that the work of a urologist is non-existent and i know that urology obviously doesn't just cover sperm i'm pretty sure it covers like the kidneys and things like that but um it's still a massive part of it and so things like that i think like looking into those results a little bit more should should be standard i think but they're not unfortunately the tests are, are very very basic aren't they um yeah, yeah yeah um but i mean talking of feedback from last week's episode i i think we just wanted to share a couple of messages that we got actually um so one of them directly on from last week, we obviously shared an overreaction last week that I got quite angry about, um, which obviously I did have time to bleep out. So, <laughs> um, but we got a message from uh, this lady saying, thank you girls for the advice on the podcast about my manager's comment. I laughed and cried more than anything. It validated that I'm not being oversensitive and it's not okay. So thank you so much, um, which was really lovely. But a few weeks before that, we had shared an overreaction. Um, about a friend saying that she had been that the fifteen thousand pounds that she'd spent on IVF was a waste of money um, and would be better spent on a house deposit. Um, and so she sent us a message saying, um, "Remember, you read out my overreaction about my friend saying that spending fifteen thousand pounds on IVF is a waste of money and better spent on a house deposit." Well, we're pregnant. I wanted to highlight the fact our previous clinic told us to, uh, told us after two very bad rounds that we should use donor egg or sperm as there wasn't much hope. Hence, my friend saying that the science was against us. In the new clinic, I've had five top quality blasts and an okay one, and I'm pregnant first time. Whilst I appreciate there's a possibility of losing it, right now we are pregnant with no donor in sight. Sometimes changing clinics to be heard is the most important thing you can do and say fuck off to the people you think are friends thanks for the awesome podcast keep them coming um and i thought that was a lovely message like go um, us basically well done to us <laughs> <laughs> clearly we give absolutely sound advice a hundred percent banging <laughs> advice but i think that's really interesting and the thing with like i really resonate with that because like no my friend didn't tell me what that i was wasting money but we had the two cycles where there was no viable embryos we spoke to a clinic who told us we should consider a donor um and then we changed clinics changed protocol and had the best result possible so i do think it's really really important to get that second opinion and i think stories like that really kind of highlight that don't they yeah and i think you know you can have all the advice in the world but whatever feels right for you you've just got to go with that like for sure. trust your gut on something because that's you know there's no there's no outcome that's promised so mm -hmm. you've got to do whatever whatever makes the most sense for you definitely definitely um well on this week's episode we have a guest. We're back to the guests. We've had a few weeks off. Um, are you introducing this guest or am I introducing this guest? I feel like you should. I feel like a bit weird. Well, <laughs> our next guest is a bit of a knob. <laughs> I'm getting the dark. I'm getting daggers. The next guest um, that we are speaking to this week is my lovely husband. So earlier on in the series, when we first started, we spoke to Matt, Annabelle's husband, about his experience going through IVF. And we always said that we would do an episode with Marco too. So without further ado, I will introduce to you my husband, Marco. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I'm really like interviewing you two like you're both sitting there and just staring this at is me. what it was like for me when matt was here it's very 
very weird um okay so marco you all right yeah i'm good yeah you yeah i'm good i'm good so why don't we start from the beginning um so how did how did you guys meet <laughs> uh, so amber was a client of mine that's not, not something i would normally do we'll but um <laughs> Wait, it just which, kind of which version of events are we telling here <laughs> the true version the true version yeah. of events yeah okay. yeah so amber was a client and um She'd uh, had a couple to drink one night and okay, then yeah, text me. <laughs> oh, like, I'll just say that she texted me. That was fine. That's it. She texted me and it just went from there. I won't see what you texted me. Stop were, it. You, were you a booty call? No. Um, oh, God. Just stop this line of questioning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Cool. And um, then. At what point did you kind of because i know amber came off the pill like relatively like early at what point like in your relationship did you guys like start, start talking about having children um well it must have been a what well, i'd probably say it must have been about three years in three to four years no, into our relationship well no, earlier than that. that well i came off the pill in 20 january 2015 and we so that means that oh we well, yeah so both, three years then no, we didn't start seeing each other at the end of 2000. No, 2012. Yeah, the end of yeah. about two years. I came off the pill, so we started talking about it when okay. I got that false positive about a year later. I would say that's yeah, yeah. So then, mm -hmm. yeah, so then about two and a half years. And was that something that you were like? Did you want kids? Were they at the kind of forefront of your mind for a while, or was it? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say they were at the forefront of my mind, but they were definitely, it was definitely something that I wanted, yeah, without a doubt. And so how was it for you? Because I know like from Amber's perspective, but from your perspective, how was it for you? Like, because I feel like the men are always slightly more detached. Like you kind of, you do your thing and then it's like you, you wait and see for the result. Like, because you'll be told, won't you? So yeah. how was it for you, like going through that process and like kind of it taking longer than perhaps you might have anticipated which process what was like the kind of like the trying the whole trying to conceive thing yeah before um, you kind of started going down the route of IVF yeah um I think I'm just a lot more relaxed I was a lot more relaxed about it all than Amber without a doubt I was um much more patient with it um and uh, I was just quite calm in my head it was always one of those things that I think it will happen don't worry it will happen you know let's uh let's you know it's taken longer than usual but we'll get there in the end i think we to add on that i think neither of us really accepted or like while we were like we were trying really for a long time before we got any kind of testing done or anything like that and it's quite i think it's obviously it was three and a half years for us so i think it's quite unusual to wait that long so i think ultimately we were both a little bit more detached from it in the sense that it was that attitude that it will happen and I think I've said previously when we've been talking that for me it was always oh well maybe I need to be married or maybe I need to be in a better job or maybe this or maybe that mm. Mm. whereas you were just you were quite like that the whole way through really weren't you it was yeah, only kind of after we got married much. That... I think that it did get to a point where you know you do think to yourself wait a minute maybe this won't yeah like you do you do and then something then you start to convince yourself mentally and just think do you know what maybe this isn't meant for us maybe this is the way it's going to be maybe we're, maybe we're destined just not to have kids mm. yeah that's sad and at what point um did you start to think that maybe that there was something wrong from your side as well um I don't know really. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever really thought. I think because we knew, obviously. So at one point we did know, obviously, with Amber's fallopian tubes, that that was that was obviously an issue there. So and they were blocked. So in my head, it was like, well, that that that's probably what the problem is, and there should be nothing wrong with me. Um, that's it. Like I think our my diagnosis was so it was so solid and so absolute. Yeah 
that it wasn't uh, this it wasn't like it was just my PCOS where it was like okay this can cause infertility and it can make it harder to get pregnant but there's still a chance because we knew that from my side it was so absolute I think we had just completely written you off like do you remember um when we got your because when we saw the GP about and they first told us about your uh, your results the first time do you remember we saw that female gp who wasn't a resident there she wasn't a resident gp there and she said that your analysis looked fine yeah and then she went but i don't really know anything about this yeah but said that his sperm looked fine wow. um but then when we actually ended up at the fertility clinic the fertility nurse looked at your results and went well they're not and that was when she said about his morphology and obviously that then led obviously later down the line to finding out about the dna fragmentation but I remember us driving home and I remember exactly where we were on the parkway and you were just really quiet. And I remember us having the conversation and it was very much like for all this time we've kind of just, or you thought it was like just me. So it was kind of one of those, one of those things, although it wasn't, although it wasn't something that we blamed each other for, it was easier for Marco to be a bit like, well, it's not like yeah. conscience wise to not feel guilty yeah. because it wasn't you. And that kind of flipped it a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. So at one point, though, if I remember rightly, it was before your diagnosis, though, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it? I, did, did I have my test done before that, though? Before your fallopian tube? Did no, I, I don't I think didn't. so. I just seem to remember at some point, we, I felt like, oh, shit, this is actually me. You're right. No, I'm sorry. That was the other way. It was the other way around. We'd had that, and we thought it was you, and yeah. it was me that then... Yeah. It was that switch. It was that we always thought the issue was him, and then actually it was it was me. So no, I completely it, I'd got that the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm always right. No, you're not. Fuck off. <laughs> well, what was that like for you guys realizing that it was it was both of you? Was it some kind of? It was great because it, we didn't have to have one person like resting sh solely on their shoulders. You know, it didn't have to. It was shared that way it was there was no oh it's you or it's me it was both of us so we're truly in it together yeah yeah i i don't know like i i agree with that to an extent like i i do but i think with me and i remember saying to you on a couple of different occasions that although his were his results weren't great again prior to the fragmentation or the rest of it as far as we were aware although your frag uh, your morphology wasn't great it wasn't an absolute infertility. So to me, I was like, oh, well, if you met somebody super fertile, that what's to say that you wouldn't? So <clears> yeah, there was I think, always that I think it, balance, I think there? I took on some of the load and I was happy to do that yeah. because Amber was in such a shit place mm. that I felt, I felt kind of good to be able to take some of that load off her. Yeah. Mm. And how, how was that for you? Because Amber's spoken quite openly about how she felt like after her diagnosis and finding out that her tubes were blocked and how that was a really difficult time for her um but how was that for you like having to watch that and kind of knowing ultimately that you couldn't fix it yeah no it's always difficult for a bloke to as men we always feel like we need to fix things and um, it was something that was just impossible to do. And you feel helpless. You feel like, um, yeah, useless in a way. Because, and, you know, it was, I've never seen Amber, like, not just Amber. Like, I've never seen anybody so low. Like, I've never seen someone have physical pain from emotion. Like, there was physical pain in her face um, from an emotional time and um yeah it was it was horrible horrible time and difficult and what do you think you know how when did you start to see a difference was there you know in from your side and your perspective was there sort of a, a shift or was it just a case of this is going to be a really gradual process um a shift from which point going from when she was in that place to kind of getting more more amber again yeah um, they're noticeable yeah it is i mean it is just time and you know as much as we say it and it's a cliche time is a healer and it is but um i think going through the process and um getting hope i think through ivf and stuff 
um, definitely helps. Yeah, it definitely helps. It was mm. when I had my tubes removed as well, wasn't it? Like that, I think, was quite a big turning point because I think it it was kind of those six months, wasn't it, from the diagnosis through to having those tubes removed. Like they were the really the real yeah. shit of it. And I think, and then when I had the tubes removed, I was off work for about nine weeks, weren't I? And I think then that was, mm. from my perspective anyway, when I started to feel a bit more upwards. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm. Do you feel like you were well supported during that time, Marco? Um, like, do you feel like you had, you know, it was people that you could speak to? Because men are notoriously bad for... Well, to be fair, I'm in a, I'm in a pretty... Um, with a job that I do, like, I speak all day, every day, and I'm pretty open about it. And I've got some clients that I've been doing their hair for years and years that are, you know, um, I'd consider friends as well. So I think on a daily basis, and my clients would always say, because I'm open about it, they would always come in and go, how's it going? What's the situation? And I can talk about it. I talk about it, and I can talk about it and talk about it. So I always had um, someone to talk about it if I wanted to and um so yeah i feel like i had support on in that kind of sense yeah but i wouldn't say it was something that i would talk to my friends about like my friends friends like my mates it's mm. not really something I, I would um talk to them about you know they'd know the gist of it they'd get the gist of everything but it's not like i'd phone up and just say oh you know yeah this is going on this is how i feel etc etc um yeah i wouldn't say that do you feel not like there's a reason why you wouldn't um i, I, I I don't think I don't think I'd really expect anyone to really understand. Like if I if I didn't, I don't know how I'd feel if I did have if I didn't have my clients and stuff that I'd speak to about it now and again. Then um, maybe I'll think differently about it. Maybe I would probably talk to someone about it. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. It's hard to say. I I'm in a fairly a unique situation. I think when it comes to that. <laughs> Sorry. I think. Um... <laughs> Yeah, my coughing gives them the ick. It's gross, isn't it? Um, yeah, I do wonder how. Obviously, I was the one that started being very open about it from the di literally the day of the diagnosis. I was like, right, we're going to talk about this. Um, so I do wonder how it would have been for you had I never done that. Because if I'd have never been so open about it, I don't know whether or not you would have been as open with. I think I would do you yeah i think i'm fairly open about things like that i'm not i'm not one to keep things um kind of pent up or i'm not you know scared of um letting feelings out or anything like that doesn't bother me i think what is nice is that you've got quite a few clients that have either been through it in the past or are going through it or have actively been through it or yeah the thing is i find, find that someone knows someone that yeah. has been through it even if it's just like oh yeah like oh my sister went through it or I've, one of my best friends went through it this is their situation etc and um so yeah you always know someone you're not far from someone who's going through mm. infertility problems but that's it you've got clients though that i don't think necessarily it's not something that they would ever confide in you about uh, until you're actively like I'm obviously not going to name them on here, but I think there's a few people that I can think of that have told you about their IVF and probably wouldn't have done had you not been no, probably not. to begin with. Yeah, so it's maybe not. people that outlet. I mean, everybody talks to their hairdresser like they're the therapist anyway, but I think it um I think it's probably given other people a bit of a lease. Um which is nice. Yeah. And you're not gonna speak to your hairdresser and get the insensitive comments that you would get from others do you know like so yeah. mm -hmm. it always just takes that one person first being like oh yeah IVF yeah mm -hmm. and then you share that look and you're like oh okay right you you get it you know yeah. somehow somewhere you have experienced yeah. this yeah definitely mm. so then you guys started treatment how what were the emotions like riding up to that first one was um I imagine just like for everyone, it's exciting. It's a really exciting time. And it's um, the weird thing about having IVF treatment is it's so kind of, in a way, black and white. Like It's not like you go to bed one night and go, oh, maybe you'll get pregnant tonight. You, you don't know. But the process starts and it's just like, well, in two months' time, we're going to know. You know, we will know. 
So it's uh, it's exciting. But on the flip side, it's scary at the same time. You know, the consequences of it not working. Um, until you've been through it, you don't really know how someone... I'm talking more about Amber here as in, like... <laughs> The, the 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 emotionally how like um, how she would cope with it emotionally you're very unlucky to be married to an incredibly emotionally unstable she's very person. very emotionally unstable yeah oh, thank you it's all right when i say it <laughs> so you're just there like how is it how can this get worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what are we about to walk into <laughs> yeah no it's um yeah I don't know. I I think it's 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 not nice for anyone. Like, and when we when we went through that first one, and it was just an absolute car crash. Um, yeah, it was difficult. It was really tough. Um, I think leading up to it, you were very. Um, I mean, you're a very optimistic person, anyway. Like, I think yeah, I always stay do... positive, and I'm like, man, this is going to work. This is happening. Um, you are very much like that. I think in every aspect, but I feel like with this like going into that first round I don't feel like you'd I don't really feel like the the prospect of it not working I don't really feel crossed your mind as such or if it did it was something that you kind of got rid of very very quickly yeah, like it it was is, a, yeah. this is going to work oh, like, no, it was definitely, it work on paper no, no no it was most definitely something that I, I thought about um and I didn't really um I didn't I didn't really want to give any kind of negativity or give any um yeah kind of negativity to Amber you know I wanted her to be positive as well so um but yeah in the back of my mind I'm definitely thinking this is going to be tough if it doesn't work like it's going to be really really tough mm. and I think it steps I mean I know Matt was exactly the same and I think it kind of steps into that thing of the fact that it's like the woman that's doing the, the woman that's doing everything, isn't it? You know, the injections and the hormones mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. So it's kind of like for the for you, it's right. How can I how can I help in this situation? And the only way you can is just like offering your support. But for most of the time, that means that you've then got to put your own feelings and your own concerns to the back of your mind. Yeah, I, definitely. I think that's kind of often overlooked. Like when we're talking about IVF, it is very much focused on how it is for the woman. It's mm. like, no, but you've got the partner that's not actively doing it has got all this sort of emotional responsibility instead. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you get the result that you didn't want, how how were you still able to be like, I've got to be strong here? Or were you able to then be like, right, I can open up a bit here? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely, um, I think we, I had a point where I was trying to stay positive and um, I think we were going, after that, it did, it did put pressure on the relationship for a bit. Amber was obviously very upset. She was angry as well. And um, so I think after that, in, in the couple of months after that, there were a lot of, it was, it was difficult. It was really difficult living with amber was really difficult understandably like I, I got it i understood it but it doesn't it was still it was still difficult um she could be quite argumentative so um it did but then it almost because i was trying to be positive no because i was trying to be positive um she felt like i didn't care so that projected to her that it, this was just a breeze for me this is this is no problem when that's not the case you know I'm, I'm just trying to be positive and i'm just trying to be like don't worry you know we can go again and etc cetera, etc cetera. um and i think there was one breaking point wasn't there i think we did have a bit of a and i that was that was i had a breaking point and i was just like i yeah i just kind of broke down really didn't i do you remember we had we had a bit of a heated discussion one day and it felt like like you, you were saying like you just don't care about this and i'm like yeah and that that, that got to me don't you remember that we were sat in here no we were sat in here yeah and we just that was it that was when i just kind of like like i'm going through it as well you know this mm -hmm. is this is my shit that's going on in my head as well so you're not alone in this so um but yeah so that there was a point quite, that must have been quite a kind of you know ultimately positive thing for you to do though that yeah i'd say so yeah yeah it was yeah 
It made yeah. us better at communicating, I think, didn't it? Like, you know, I think those kind of the couple of years that we were going through IVF, I think that it did because I think you, like I said, like you were just saying that you are typically a very positive person and wouldn't say this is hard on me. Like it literally took that for him to be open and honest about it. And I think from there on in, it was just very clear that that was the best way for us to be. Hmm. And I think it made, it did have a really positive impact, I think, on the way that we communicated. Maybe not so much now, but it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, definitely a, a good thing in that aspect. But he was very like, the day after, like I think the first cycle, obviously we'd found out on the train, hadn't we? Like we were on the way to transfer when they rang us and that yeah. was just horrific. But then by like the next day or a couple of days later, you were like, right, okay, let's crack on, let's move on. And then the second one, it was almost like the same, like the second, but we were in lockdown, weren't we? And it was the day yeah. it failed and you were like, right, I'm going to go paint the fence. And I was like, what? Like, this is so, and ultimately I did go out and paint that fence with you, but it was very, um, that was kind of your way of just coping with everything. It was like, right, okay, let's crack on. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. Let's just move on now. Um, mm -hmm. And I think from there on in, it was quite almost, I don't want to say plain sailing for you, but at that point it was kind of like the concern was like the money and the paying for the next cycle and what we were going to do that all the focus went into finding new clinics and all the rest of it. And it was only, I think, when we did the DNA fragmentation test. And I remember you coming home from work and us having the call with, um, is it Claire Mooney? Oh, right, and we yeah. had the call with her and she's, she's one of the doctors at Fertility Solutions when they told us that your results had come back really bad. Mm. And I think that's when it kind of hit us again. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? And we yeah. both just got really upset. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think you find it quite easy to remove yourself from the situation emotionally, whereas I am the opposite. Like I think even now, like when we talk about going again and we talk about like what our future is going to look like, you you think with your head, I think with my heart. And I think we're very different in that sense. So the whole way through it, it was like the like those few years, it was still the centre of everything I did, whereas Marco can quite easily just not think about it and just be like, no, like we're not we're not doing it right now, so I'm not going to think about it. And until I need to think about it, I'm not going to. Like, that's... Yeah, pretty much. And it's so easy for him to do. Like, I always used to say, and I think I actually said when we were talking about it, like, from my perspective at the beginning, that people had asked me all the time on Instagram, like, how does this impact Marco? Like, would love to, like, see a YouTube video on things from Marco's point of view. And I was always a bit like, but he's not going to be... He's not going to be, like, the poster boy of infertility that people want because he's not going to be the bloke that's going to sit there and say you know as men we need to talk about this and we need to be more open about it. like he's never going to be that person because he you are really positive and you are just really, like sickeningly positive I think a lot of the time that you're like you're really laid back about it so you're never going to be that person that people are going to want to hear go you know it's really hard for us too like that's just not that's just not you mm. do you think that difference between you both helps you or kind of hinders you like each individually like do you feel like it frustrates you that the other person is like that or do you feel like you actually balance each other quite well well i don't know but we're still together so <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um i would probably say we're probably the extremes so maybe we do balance like amber's like overly emotional and sensitive about it all and i'm probably a bit too laid back about it all so you know if we could somewhere you know meet somewhere so to clarify i'm argumentative I'm no no no. you were argumentative during that time because you were just, i'm emotionally <laughs> unstable and i'm overly sensitive my husband ladies and gentlemen i'm so glad i did this you're having a great time no i do think um I think he levels, he brings me down to earth. Like I do think with how kind of laid back he is, he does keep me, he, he is quite often the voice of reason and like the, like almost like my stability. Like I am, so I long for stability. Like I need stability and I need security and he gives that to me and he's very um, calm and collected and doesn't, I mean, you do, you do go zero to a hundred, but I think oh, yeah, things like yeah, this, yeah. you're very, 
Mm. you're a lot calmer than I am whereas I jump to worst case scenario and I'm very much okay well if I think worst case scenario is going to happen and I prepare for that then anything else is a bonus whereas he's not like that um but I think I do think as much as it compl we complement each other and in the thick of things like that I do think we can balance each other out I think from my perspective like from your perspective it must be awful because I just spiral and I spiral very easily but I think yeah, it also awful. winds me up. <laughs> it also, I think, I find it quite frustrating that sometimes when I am like that, it can come across that he's a bit dismissive of it. Do you know what I mean? Like that sometimes I think if you are, if I am saying I'm really worried about this or I feel this way, he can be a little bit, you're not trying to be dismissive of it at all. You're trying to be supportive and trying to be like, see the positive, but actually it's a bit like that. Just relax, like that kind of vibe, do you know? Mm. But I think we, I think we figured it out quite well going through the actual treatment. I think we did all right. I think the third round, especially. I think going through the final round, I think it did. That seemed yeah. to be quite a. We seemed to manage that quite well. I think it was only the kind of the night before we tested, or was it two nights before we tested? And I had that full blown. I was convinced it hadn't worked, yeah. and that was horrible. Yeah. But I think. I'm definitely the emotion out of the two of us. <laughs> so we know that like when in between the treatments, you were quite good at just sort of being quite practical about it and focusing on other things. But as you went for the treatments and during the treatments, do you think you still maintained that element of, you know, this is fine, we've got this? I think at that point, when you're going through that, when you're going through the treatment, it's it's just excitement at that point i think like for me for me it was just it is yeah it's just um it is because you are um well hey, I'm, I'm not gonna have to do any injections I've, i haven't got that kind of those um hormones and stuff going through me so it's obviously going to be a different experience for me but um yeah i don't know i think i think um you were quite removed from the process as a whole i think because you didn't um I wouldn't let you do the injections. I think you only did two injections yeah, in the entire couple, thing. Yeah. I think you did my final trigger shot and then you did one in the first cycle. Yeah. But other than that, you didn't do any. And on top of that, we'd kind of, obviously when we were going through the second one, you were in the process of um, opening the salon and the first time obviously you were working. So it was a lot harder for you to take the time off. So you yeah. didn't come to any of the scans either. So, which was a mutual decision. It wasn't that he just left me to, to go. But I think, and the second one was obviously when everything was going into lockdown, so you couldn't even if you'd wanted to. Mm. So I think the actual process itself, you were quite far removed from. You weren't necessarily able to be involved in yes, fair. in that way. Mm. So I could, like, I think from your perspective, it was. I really think, weirdly, the third one seems like a blur. It does a little bit. Like, I, But I do think because we were in the thick of opening the salon, it was so hectic. There was so yeah. much going on while we were doing that cycle. But I think... I remember that, I mean, the, the, our final cycle was very heavy in terms of medication. I was on a lot. And I remember when it had worked, you did, you were doing all my progesterone ones that were in my bum because I kind of got to a point where I was like, I can't, I physically can't do this anymore. Um, but it was quite, it was a very laborious cycle. And I think really we were just so busy doing everything else that it, didn't really feel like we were doing a cycle, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, how was it opening, apart from, you know, obviously being hectic, but deciding, you know, to open the salon at the same time? Like, that must have, for you, was that not just, like, like madness in your brain? Like, yeah, but it was good madness. Like, it was good madness. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good um i loved it i loved every every part of that but um i mean we knew we was going to do it at some point i suppose didn't we but i, I suppose when i started opening the salon or when i started when i went to look at it it was oh like God, a year like before. The, the march, the year before it was the march year before year, so yeah. it took nearly a year to kind of to open the salon so um we didn't know at that point that we was going to get any kind of help through the nhs we didn't know when our next cycle was going to be um so yeah i didn't know and, until obviously everything kind of come together around about I think August September time was when we found out that we were going to go again and it would have been in a few months down the line mm. so uh, it was yeah 
if I yeah. remember rightly, that's that's kind of how that happened. And then yeah, it got reinstated in the July. July. We then had our consultation in the September. We had planned to start in the November, but they wanted to do the dummy transfer, so I had to start the month. Yeah. So I could only start like the fake cycle, if you like. Yeah. In December to then start stimmed on New Year's Day. And we actually opened the salon two days after we got the positive test, yeah. which I think was a, I mean, correct me if you think differently, but a tremendous distraction for you. Like you were, your brain was everywhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. Whereas I was off work. Yeah. And like those first few weeks until we had our scan, I was at home on my own. And I just remember being an anxious mess all the time. And you would come home absolutely knackered. And like your brain was still like that opening was obviously key to the business. It was either going to take off or it was going to flop. Like there was yeah. no, those, I mean, obviously you know, like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like those, those first few weeks are pivotal to the success of a business yeah. and you would come home. And all I wanted to talk about was all my anxieties. And all I wanted to talk about was how I was really worried about this. or I was really worried about that. And all you wanted to do was come home and just switch off and just not talk. Still do. <laughs> Dick. Um, <laughs> But that, I remember those first few weeks, that first trimester almost, being really, we'd argue quite a lot because A, my hormones yeah. were all over the place. B, I couldn't stand the smell of you. That was weird. Yeah. Always uh, a compliment. Like, oh, no, that was awful. But those, I think you were so preoccupied that it was almost like it wasn't happening for you. Like, it was so weird. Um, so, but well, the timing was just all over the place. It was bizarre. So let's rewind to the test so obviously things had not gone great your first IVF round was cancelled on the way there your second you got the negative result didn't you mm -hmm. the press the test this time were you Amber I know that a couple of days before you were convinced it hadn't worked Marco did you have any swaying or were you literally just like whatever will be will be yeah it's kind of really that yeah whatever will be will be is very much how i am i think yeah with it with a lot of things not so, everything but yeah with a lot of things but um your thing was the number four i think it? um hmm? your thing was the number four yeah, but you're on about leading up to the testing, aren't you? Like, oh, sorry. Leading, you're, well, you're, like, you know, approaching the test and then, yeah, the test itself. Like, how, what, like, just how was that mm. whole? Yeah. Um, well, again, I, my mind was definitely occupied with other things. I was opening the salon that, that, that kind of week. So I had so much going on that I didn't have, um, I suppose it was a, like a, a blessing, really, that I didn't have to mm. overthink everything. Um, but uh, but there's no getting away from it. Uh, you know, you, you you do think about it at night, and um, I think I was um, yeah, whatever we will be. But so I can't really remember how I felt. I can't remember how I felt. Uh, possibly, well, the thing is, I've got Amber saying to me, um, it, I don't think it's worked. Like this has happened, that's happened. My boobs are not like feeling the way they should feel, or something. I don't know doing this and i'm like well i don't know i don't know how your boobs feel <laughs> but that's you've just got to you like whatever she's saying about how she's feeling that's like you're like okay right cool yeah my only feedback right now so yeah exactly yeah so that is that's all i can really go off so like i'd feel really positive but when amber would say negative things then it made me feel negative like is like you say i can only go off how you're feeling um but even then, in that case, I was thinking, I know Amber's quite, um, she can't, she, <laughs> um, amazing, she's lovely, I love her to be. But in those situations, she can be quite negative in those things. She, she, she's quite expecting the worst, kind of, and every, like she said before, she'll expect the worst and everything else is a bonus. And uh, in that same, it's the same situation. So I, I took some of it with a pinch of salt. I'm like, okay, all right then. I feel like he's avoiding the word dramatic here. Hey, I am definitely avoiding the word dramatic. <laughs> if that's the word you think is accurate, Amber, mm -hmm. then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, and then obviously leading up, and then the actual test itself. Yeah, it's a roller coaster, and you know, anybody that's been through it, it's just it's a absolutely. Can I swear? 
yeah. fucking crazy. Like it is just, it's just, it's just a mental time, and uh, that wait is just, um, yeah. Those that three minutes. Oh, was it three minutes? Mm -hmm. You have to wait. Yeah, three minutes. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's three days. Life, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. But, um, did you turn um, over the test together? Like, did you look at the test together? Yeah. Annabelle, have you not watched our test day YouTube video? Um, I mean, the video goes black and then you it just does. go, you like, yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> so, well uh, yeah. So, yeah, we do. We test it. And, uh, yeah, and I'll always remember Amber's face. You know, I'll uh, just, just, yeah, I'll always remember it. It went something like this. <laughs> Like, that's why the screen went black mm -hmm. a little bit dramatic but <laughs> i love how surprised you look amber as if like this whole conversation hasn't been like uh amber yeah. can be very <laughs> and we can be very surprised at times mm -hmm. <laughs> you to talk about some good things about me <laughs> on the next episode <laughs> Okay, so you got the positive test, and then it was just back into the whirlwind of trying to open the salon and get it all sorted. Did it sink in that you know you were having a baby during that time, or did it take a little while to? God, yeah, it took a while. I think it did until he was here. <laughs> yeah, it really didn't feel like it was real until he was here, and, and even after he was here, it, it still didn't feel real. I don't think there was a penny drop moment until um, four o'clock in the morning one day and we were like fucking hell it won't stop yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it yeah no there, there wasn't i don't ever remember there being a oh, there, i had moments like, i had little moments where i'd be at work and when you're at work like, i just crack on with my day but sometimes if i go into a little bit of a trance and i'm um you know just just getting on with my day and i'm not talking to a client but i'm just getting on like, you, you know you think and then you think oh yeah i forgot yeah missus is pregnant and you're like wow yeah that's amazing so yeah that's and then you have that little moment and you're just like oh you know you feel I so mean, happy like it took you guys so long to get there and you had such like the odds were really stacked against you so it makes sense if it was something that took quite a while to actually yeah yeah, yeah. I think yeah. like I mean for us I mean I don't know how you well I do kind of know how you feel on it I suppose you're you're my husband but I think for us or for me anyway I feel like the turning point for us was Dr George and Dr Ramsey like I don't I don't know about you like I talk really highly about the DNA fragmentation test that we did mm -hmm. and just Dr Ramsey yeah overall I mean I don't know what like what your thoughts are in terms of the importance of that test or that whole experience i suppose because we like i've said before we were quite fobbed off with regards to that weren't we like talking to the first clinic they didn't want us to do that test yeah and had told us not to bother yeah well there was a few that said didn't bother we went yeah. to another one and quite a good, a clinic. good clinic and they said no don't worry about that like you don't need that so um but yeah no it was definitely um well without that without going to see dr ramsey without mm. dr george yeah we probably wouldn't be here now no well i mean not we would be live what time we die <laughs> you know I mean? yeah absolutely absolutely it's a mm. an interesting one it's really i think it's all quite interesting really like i think it's all um quite I don't know, it all seems quite storybook, especially when you think that obviously it was the NHS cycle in the end that mm. was what did it. And like it's like you say, the odds were so stacked against us, against us. And the fact that we knew that this was probably going to be our last funded cycle, like we we kind of couldn't put any more money into it than we were doing. We'd said this was going to be our last fresh. That I think the fact that it was then that NHS cycle anyway gave us that extra chance. But then how much was yeah changed like how different that protocol was despite it being an nhs one mm. like it's like the odds were so against us and then everything just kind of did a u-turn at the last minute didn't they and it was so yeah that we're so lucky to be where we are yeah um and that's not lost on us like i think you know like we talk now about kind of 
what we do going forward and what we do with our remaining embryos and yeah. whether we go again and all of well, that was the thing like it couldn't have got any better that last mm. cycle it went from being like two disasters to being it that's as good as it gets yeah. like it doesn't get any better than that it was such a u-turn mm. and we are lucky now we are lucky to have joey joey <laughs> did you forget his name there no and Bruce. He was thinking about Bruce. Yeah. Really lucky to have. I was thinking. I was thinking about the embryos. But yeah, uh, we're happy. To, yeah, we are lucky to have obviously Joey, but um, to have the four embryos as well. Oh, like, God, um, yeah. yeah, because you're you're sort of you're now at the stage of right. What do you do next, and where do you go from here? And it, it's it's not over, is it? And it's. No. I know that's kind of a you know a continuing topic for you both so i'm not going to pry too much <laughs> yeah um but yeah it just goes to show that you know it, it doesn't it doesn't end you know just as suddenly and as sweetly as that you've now got all these other decisions to make yeah this is but, i mean even if that i feel i mean i feel differently to amber in where like even if we'd we didn't have that even if we just had one embryo and joey was the result of that and we had nothing else like man i'm over the moon that's it now yeah let's this not... is uh, i don't mean i don't mean that like that's okay yeah if we hadn't got any for any on ice yes in absolute agreement with you i still think though you would you would probably be tempted to go another cycle though maybe but then i don't think i don't know i don't know if i could put my body through all that again like it's the egg collection for me that I just don't know if I could do again. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. But I think when you've got my biggest thing now is that now I almost feel differently about it now than I did the first time because beforehand the embryos are kind of you can see them quite subjectively, like you see them as embryos and you know that they develop into a baby. But when you've seen what those embryos create, and I don't just mean a baby, I mean, you know, as I know that it's obviously a very sensitive topic, but when you've seen your baby and you see what those, are, like to me now, beforehand they were just embryos in the freezer. Like that, of course I had an emotional attachment to them, but it was very different. Whereas now I see four Joeys and I think, oh my God, like that's what they can produce. That the idea of getting rid of any of those or not using any of those, like it breaks my heart. Like I really struggle with that concept because now i know what they like that crying thing upstairs that <laughs> keeps me up all night every night is what sat in the freezer in a clinic in london and it's it, like that it's just crazy to me like that is really crazy to me and i really struggle to kind of comprehend not not using them and not giving them that chance and it, it's kind of skewed i think my view of the process like overall like it's this whole I don't know like the whole get as many embryos as possible and this that, and the other and I'm like but but then what like then what do you do with them and it's it's very I don't know like it's a very a very murky territory for me at the minute I think but it's um we definitely see that a little bit differently like you can emotionally attach and I think again that's detach even yeah. and I think that's again where the whole I think with my heart, he thinks with his head. Because I think if it was all free and it wasn't going to cost us a penny, I I don't think you'd be thinking about it the way that you. Depends are. what time of the day. If I'm at work, I'm like, yeah, this is great. You know, five o'clock in the morning, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try them all in. Let's have five kids. Like, brilliant. <laughs> oh man, it's. It is. I think it's very different. Like I think because you you think about finances in a very matter of fact, kind of straight, direct, level headed well, way. Finances are a matter of fact. Well, you know what I mean. But I kind of think of things like, well, we'll, you know, we'll think of that when we come to it. Like I don't want to just commit to one one more round and feel that pressure. Like we'll think about the money when it comes to it. Like we'll find it. We'll do it. Mm. Whereas you're less like that. But I also think we have the thing of like you know I've said that I want to stop. I don't think I can do any more cycles kind of once I've turned 30. I feel like I want to, it would have been a decade at that point, And I feel like I want to close the book on that. But also you're 24 and <laughs> it's, <laughs> you don't want to reach 25. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I think that's a factor that 
you know, there obviously is a bit of an age gap between us and we've kind of said you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to reach a certain age. I don't want to reach no. a certain age. So we have to kind of find a middle mm. a middle ground there. And this has been your life for so many years. Like yeah, oh like God, you've, yeah. you've done some, like, you know, you've you've opened the salon, like you've done things outside of it, but there it does come to a point where it's like, okay, when do we say goodbye to this this chapter of our life and focus on the next and I feel like you're now at a point where you're looking at you're looking at fertility treatment with a completely new perspective that neither of you have looked at it like with before Mm -hmm. because you do have Joey and you've also got the embryos in the freezer so it's it makes sense that you're now at a point where you're like right we've got to start looking at this completely differently or from the beginning again Mm-hmm. yeah I mean from the looks of it like you know you guys do balance each other out I know that you two are kind of like oh we're very extreme on the other ends but from an outsider's perspective you definitely balance each other out and I think until it's... they listen to this episode and realize that I'm some kind of victim like <laughs> oh wait is that me being dramatic no, I think Marco's the victim here god <laughs> she's touching my leg oh, I'm a <laughs> um but marco it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and um yeah amber was saying she was like oh it's going to be like getting blood from a stone but it hasn't at all it's been really really good when i want to talk (laughs) really just not to me (laughs) um right Right, no 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 you're not done you're not done oh no we finish every guest conversation with three things that they are grateful for because we always like to end on a positive note. So, Marco, I highly suggest Amber is your first one because I think you have some makeup to do. But what yeah. are your three things that you are grateful for? Okay, so um, my family, my health, and Chelsea FC! <laughs> <laughs> so for context to this before we started amber was like you're not allowed to shout because joey's asleep and marco said okay i just won't talk about football but oh no you see what happens i say one thing one thing it's all right you're done now so you can go off and put joey back to sleep yeah you can do it on all the right. bloody night see ya too. bye, bye. Nice to know he's grateful for me, isn't it? Everything I, I saved do. my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a large umbrella. There's about seventy-five of you. I'm putting my headphones in now. And we're back, back on one-on-one, just the two of us. I can only apologise for that horrific episode that we've just put you through. I think it was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. No, because you know what? I feel like, yes, Matt is very practical with things, but I think he edges on the more emotional side, whereas Marco's a lot more, you know, practically minded. And I thought it was really interesting hearing things from his perspective. Mm. Yeah, he is, uh, he's all right. I mean, I married him for a reason, let's be honest, but I don't know why he married me, but it's... <laughs> after all that, I don't know either. Don't know. no. You're a bloody nightmare. I know. He's just painted a picture of me like some absolute like cracker. People are going to think I just sit rocking in a corner. Like, goodness me, I'm not that bad. Like, I could probably do with some therapy, but it's. Uh, you can't afford it. You've got a fertility treatment to pay for. I know. That's it. That can uh, be, you're not that lying. Can be the next thing. Post actually, treatment. Focus on um, therapy. It is obscenely expensive i have to say it is something i've looked into and i cannot believe yeah and i cannot believe how i remember years ago actually when i was about 2021 going to see just like a standard counselor and it was something like 40 pound an hour and then when i was looking the other day it's like there's some that are up to like 90 pound an hour Mm. and you think like what like there was one i was looking at that she like specializes in like maternal mental health and things like that and that, it was like something like 79 79 pounds for like 45 minutes i was like it's fucking ridiculous. hell like no wonder like people's mental health is on the floor like 
I know. And then they're like, well, we recommend you come to us once a week. And you're like, I bet you fucking do. Yeah, of course you do. It's more than my disposable income. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, We've got each other. Who needs quality yeah. therapists? That's what this podcast's for. Oh, God. Um, anywho. Right, right. <clears throat> you're Am I Overreacting this yes. week? So this week's Am I Overreacting is... <clears throat> had an encounter with a rude consultant they were late unapologetic rude and even shouted at us all because we don't want to proceed with egg donation after our first nhs cycle didn't work i know our prognosis was bleak due to my low amh but his approach was just arrogance and no sensitivity at all not to mention slagging off other clinics i find this really dreadful Egg donation is a real, I think it's amazing. Like, it's an amazing thing. And if you want to do it, then that's brilliant. But not for everyone, though, is it? it is. Especially after one cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not for anyone else to decide. It's such a personal thing to decide. I'd love to take a punt at which clinic this is. I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not going to, but I would love to. I find that really really awful to make someone feel guilty for not doing something like you say after their first cycle yeah that's not good i'd make a complaint me yeah yeah i mean i think that one's quite clear cut like no you're not not overreacting. not overreacting my dear um i did just think have we prepped a question for next week no i don't think we have but um what is the topic next week Guys, you are now, you're now very much involved in uh, the the planning, <laughs> the planning that. stage of our pod. Um, oh, here we go. So next week's episode is on. You're not going to believe this. Uh, I mean, you are, but it says episode number 17, guest, no, topic, blank <laughs> right okay um you know how you were like i don't want to do any editing on this episode yeah marco i don't think needs any editing it's it's this bit now what do you think i'm not going to edit out everything you said about me being emotionally unavailable and uh emotionally no, no, no. unstable you did not say you were emo the problem is amber you're too emotionally available <laughs> uh, did you hear him then are you still going on about that <laughs> um next week oh christ what are we going to talk about next week who knows we don't know um so we're going to think of a question and we're just going to upload it on instagram so it's going to be a surprise next week all right next week is a surprise keep your eyes open have a look but as always you can send us your overreactions at aioa podcast at gmail.com or to our instagram which is just am i overreacting um or you can send it to us. Sorry, I did burp then. Or you can send it to us directly at amber.itso or at Annabelle Garnett. Also, um, if you have any things like topic focuses that you want us to look at for episodes, any ideas, send them over as well. Because yeah, definitely. We do have some planned, but not all we of them. No, we've got like guests planned for months, but I think we've literally got plans of like guests up to Christmas now, well, none of which we've actually invited yet. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, the organisation is oh, man. spectacular. All um, over the place. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Marco for being a wonderful guest. Um, and we will speak to you again next week. We'll see you next week for another episode of Am I Overreacting? And also, Amber's got a divorce. Bye! Bye. <laughs>